when Jesus left, we're still reaping the rewards and the benefit of the life that he lived based on his faith. And if you think about um, two men in the Bible in particular, I think about Adam and Abraham. When you think the word Adam, we keep thinking, boy, he blew it. Now, you know what I think, Irvin? That's not fair to Adam. Because what, is we, what do we remember Adam for? The mistake that he made. Now, I wasn't there, but I'm sure he did some good things too. But we don't ever talk about the good things Adam did, do we? We only remember the bad thing he did because that's his legacy. Look at Abraham. When you think of Abraham, what do you think? Father of faith, man of faith. God called him faithful. Now, we got this great image of Abraham. But if you read Abraham's story, Abraham has some issues. He was fearful. He lied. <laughs> but yeah. yet God called him a faithful man because that's his legacy. A real man leaves a legacy, not just a financial inheritance, not all his degrees, because you can't take any of this stuff with you. All you can do is leave a legacy. The question is, what kind of legacy do I want to leave? Hey guys, buckle up for a new episode in Men of Purpose Talks, a podcast that will help you break the limitations in your life, which allows you to be a happier and more fulfilled you. Each week, we deliver the best hard-biting analysis from a range of topics with guests from around the world. I am your host, R. Irvin Padia. Welcome to Men of Purpose Talks. My friend, my brother, Dr. Joe Martin. Good day to you, sir. Thank you, Irvin. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for the warm welcome. And it is a pleasure and an honor and a privilege um, to be on your show today. I'm excited um, to talk to you about stuff that's really important to both of us as men of God, um, as well as some, even some of the women out there. So I'm excited about being here. Thank you for having me. The pleasure is ours. So you are from Tennessee. Well, yeah, I, I live in Tennessee, um, but I'm not originally from here. Um, I'm from Miami, Florida. Um, i was born and raised in Miami, lived most of my life in Florida when I went to school for most of my education, well, pretty much all of my education. And um, after I had um, gone through a, a very um, rough divorce, which I'm sure may come up in, the to in this topic tonight as we talk, and I met a woman who is from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and she was um, a, used to be a police officer here in Chattanooga Police Department. She's ex-military. So I'm married to this G.I. Jane kind of woman. She's really, she's an expert marksman in shooting. <laughs> she's a black belt in karate, and she runs a boot camp fitness business. I met her, and I moved up here to Chattanooga. And so I've been up here now for the last, I guess, eight years that I've been living here in Chattanooga. But I'm originally from Florida. Have you... Um... Have you ever been to the Caribbean, Trinidad, to be exact? Now, I haven't been to Trinidad, but my family, um, my my family's originally from Nassau, Bahamas. Okay. That's where our roots are from. And my grandfather moved over here, um, I guess, man, it's a long time, back in the early 1900s. And our family, that's what our roots are. But no, I haven't been to Trinidad, but I have been to, to the Caribbean. Okay, great. So... Tell, tell us here, who is Dr. Joe Martin? Hmm. Uh, you know, it's, that's a, a, 
a question that is really a powerful question because one of the things we struggle with as men is knowing who we are. And so, right. excuse me as I elaborate on this, Irvin, because they'll say, wow, he just, that's how he, that's what he says he is. You have to understand this is what we teach and train our men on. And let me tell you who I am. Um, I'm powerful. I'm a powerful man because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. I am considered valuable to God because he gave up his only son for me. So I realized that my identity is in Christ, that when he looks at me, he doesn't even see me. God sees the righteousness of his son, not me. So who am I? I'm a man who stands before the father who is blameless, who is unashamed and is holy because that is my new born again identity in Christ. And as God continues to renew my mind according to that identity, he gives me access, free access to the grace that I need in order to live this life that I'm living right now righteously. So that's who I am in Christ. Everything that he says I am. Real men connect. I am from a network called Men of Purpose. In China, that we've been doing this for about 10 years now. Tell us about Real Men Connect. Well, you did How a good job. Yeah, you did a good job introducing me. Um, pretty much the, the simplest way to explain what Real Men Connect is. I truly believe that a man is only um, as strong as the support that he has of other men. In other words, I don't believe any good man can become a great man without the help of godly men in his life. So you show me a man who says he's strong. My question is, how many other stronger men does he have in his life? So this ministry is based on the fact that no man um, should have to do life by himself. It's not smart. It's not wise. Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. Two is better than one. There's a better return on their labor. Um, if one should fall, the other's there to pick him up. But the Bible says, woe to the man who falls and has no one to pick him up. So we believe that every man should be doing life with some other men. And we also believe that no man should ever get left behind in his journey through manhood. I don't care how long he's been stuck. I don't care how long he's been stopped. He shouldn't have to um, be left behind. And last but certainly not least, I believe that every man must also be prepared to disciple the other man behind him. And so Real Men Connect is getting men and convincing men that they can't do life alone and they shouldn't. And we've created a community so that never happens for another man. So the man could never use the excuse that we typically always use as men is that I don't know how. No one ever taught me. I didn't know who I can trust and no one showed me how to. We've eliminated all of that by creating Real Men Connect. We help men do life and we do life together with them. Why have you dedicated yourself to such a, a daunting task? That's not the easy thing that that's it's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Why have you committed your life to this? Well, typically the message, and you know this, Urban, that our message usually comes out of the mess we made of our life, <laughs> typically. Mm -hmm. And when you look back and you see all the mistakes and the misturns and everything. I kind of alluded to you earlier that I'm, I'm here because I remarried. I got married again. Well, what led me to doing Real Men Connect was the mess that I made of my life early on. 
And when I tell you the mess, it, it was a, a, what most people consider a beautiful mess until it got too messy. Um, I lived pretty much the American dream. Uh, I grew up in abject poverty in the projects of Miami in a, a hood called Liberty City. And if you if people are from the States and they've never been to Miami, they know what that area is. It's really bad. Abject poverty, crime, drug infested, you name it. And my mom was a teenage single mother at the age of 16, had two kids by the time she was 17. So we're dirt poor. But in spite of that, I was able to um, get out of the hood, become the youngest professor ever hired to teach in the state of Florida at the age of 24, had my doctorate degree before I was 30 years old had written four books before I was 30, bought my first home when I was 20 years old, started my first business at 22. And I can go on and on with more accomplishments, did all that stuff before 30 and had it all. Um, started with nothing and had everything before I was 30 years old. And I was married at the time and had a child. However, I was a successful male, but I wasn't a successful man. There's a difference. Because uh, you're a male by birth, but you're a man by choice. And I knew how to succeed as a male by working hard, grinding, being ambitious, um, putting in the extra hours, never sleeping, hustling. That's what I did. And I was very successful at it, was making a lot of money and had everything a man could ever want growing up in the projects and doing it legally without selling drugs, <laughs> without being an entertainer, not being a rapper, not being a sports person. I did it all based on sheer will and determination. And so I had it all. However, when I got married, even though I had the wife, the beautiful kid, the beautiful home, homes, and all this stuff in businesses, I did not know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to be a godly husband. I didn't know how to be a godly father. I didn't know how to be a godly man and the spiritual leader of my home. And so like most men do, we think we can figure it out because we're smart. <laughs> I say, I'm smart enough. I have all these degrees. I have more degrees than a thermometer. I'll figure this thing out. Well, I couldn't figure it out. And before you know it, my frustration with failing as a husband and as a father and as a leader ended up leading me to addiction, addiction to pornography and to women. Because I had all this money, I also had access to a lot of women. And so like you hear the usually stereotypical story of athletes and entertainers who just party all the time. I wasn't a party person, but I partied with women and uh, abused my marriage, broke my covenant. And I went from having everything by the time I reached the age of 30 to pretty much almost losing all of it by the time I reached the age of 40. And I never thought that I would ever end up like I was, which was depressed, suicidal, because how do you go from having nothing to having it all to losing it all again? And I'm living in this brand new house that I had bought by myself now because my wife and my son left. And so here I was thinking, God, my life is over. There's nothing more for me to do. And it was not until I hit rock bottom that I realized God was the rock at the bottom. And when I started slowly coming out of it, I realized after I got out of the pit that it was the help of a lot of men. Um, I was part of a recovery group for um, seven years that helped me deal with my addiction to pornography and to women. Um, I had some great godly friends. I'm talking about buddies. I'm talking about the ones who were called, grab you by the shirt and said, man, what are you doing? They stepped into my life and spoke truth into me and helped me see that I wasn't what I did, but who I was in Christ. And I had one particular guy who was a spiritual coach and mentor for me who pretty much changed my life. He had eight children, been married for 20 something years 
And he showed me how to be a godly husband, a godly father. So having a spiritual mentor, having some godly friends, and getting to a godly group of men who helped me deal with my addictions, I realized that, wow, most men don't have that. So Real Men Connect came out of, say, wow, what if every man could have that before he loses it all, like I did? What could, yeah. it, what could it do for his life? So that's basically what I've created with Real Men Connect. God gave me the vision for this to provide that community, to provide that connection to some um, inner circle brothers, I call them. Community is the larger group. And to provide them with coaching and counseling, because I went to counseling also for three years to help me understand how did I get to that point that I would cheat on my wife that many times. And so it's been a journey. And so this came out of the birth of my pain, my shame, my guilt, um, the mess that I made in my life. And this is God's redemption part of my story that has allowed me now to go back like Harriet Tubman <laughs> and rescue men to say, hey, there's a better way than trying to strive to get a paycheck when you're losing sight of your purpose. Because that's what, what happened. I ended up focusing so much on the paycheck that I forgot about my purpose. And so I'm guessing, I'm hoping that answers your question of how this thing has evolved and come about. Why it is, um, why it is that men always seem to be so anxious and full of fear and have panic attacks and is always full of anxiety um, to leave the place that they are, the mess that they are, and they have become to be in the men that God have created them to be. I think the reason is why um, you mentioned the word fear, but um, that that's at the core of it. And it goes back to the question you asked before, who are you? Who is Joe Martin? And I'm not my degrees. I'm not my title. I'm not my organization. I told you who I am. I'm who I am in Christ. And if a man doesn't know who he is, he's going to get his identity from somewhere. And I truly believe that a man's behavior, his actions, it echoes what he believes about himself. And so I think the reason why we walk in this fear of going through this route that I went through is because we believe we're what we do, not who God says we are. Because what we do is we look at the mistakes that we've made. We look at what people have told us about ourselves, what they've called us. And it starts from growing up as a child, the kind of parents that we had, the kind of environment that we grew up in. Either someone was either reinforcing who you were in Christ or they were defining you based on culture, based on society, based on the media, based on their interpretation of what a man or a woman should be. And because we adopted that identity, we believe now if we're going to be successful, we have to measure up to that. And to me, what I thought a man was, a, a, a man is, a real man is a man who has a lot of education because I thought that's what I saw people who respected people with PhDs and master's degrees and bachelor's degrees. So I got to get that. That's what makes a real man. Also, I noticed it was based on his occupation, what kind of job he had, because I noticed that a man who was a president of a company got more respect than a person who was cleaning toilets. Now, in God's eyes, they're the, still the same man. It doesn't matter with title. But I thought, based on the media, based on what I saw in my community, the bigger your title, the bigger the man. And so I want, I pursued title and also compensation. I thought being a man, based on what I saw on television and in my hood with drug dealers having more money they could spend, the more money you have, the more influence you have. People think you are the man if you make a lot of money. So I defined myself that way. 
Then I found out that you can define yourself based on a manhood, based on your level of intimidation or power and influence you have over other people. That's when you see man flexing, my, I can beat you up. Now, it wasn't me would beat you up. It was, I had so much influence, you're going to do whatever I want you to do because you want access to what I have access to. So we define ourselves based on power. But all those things is not what makes a real man. So if you find your identity in those things, if I don't get the education, I must be a failure. If I don't achieve the title, I must be a failure. If I don't make this amount of money, I must be a failure. If I don't have this kind of power and reputation and influence over you, I must be a failure. God doesn't define manhood that way. He looks at it from who you are in Christ and what a real man is. And I'll share this with your listeners, that what a real man is, is you model Christ. And what that is, is that a real man spiritually leads his family. Now, family is a general term. We're not just talking about your blood relatives. We're talking about the people who you have influence over. He spiritually leads that person. That has nothing to do with education, occupation, compensation, level of intimidation. has nothing to do with that. So a real man spiritually leads his family, the people he has influence over. A real man also, what he does, he loves and serves sacrificially. It's not about him. He's not focusing on what he can get. He's looking at, God, what do you want me to give? Now, you notice Jesus did all these things. He led his disciples. He led people who were around him. Jesus also served and loved us sacrificially. See, that is the definition of manhood. Also, what a real man does, not only does he leave, um, sac- um, leave lead spiritually, he loves sacrificially. What he also does is that he leaves a legacy of faith. When Jesus left, we're still reaping the rewards and the benefit of the life that he lived based on his faith. And if you think about um, two men in the Bible in particular, I think about Adam and Abraham. When you think the word Adam, we keep thinking, boy, he blew it. Now, you know what I think, Irvin? That's not fair to Adam, because what what do we remember Adam for? The mistake that he made. Now, I wasn't there, but I'm sure he did some good things, too. But we don't ever talk about the good things Adam did, do we? We only remember the bad thing he did because that's his legacy. Look at Abraham. When you think of Abraham, what do you think? Father of faith, man of faith. God called him faithful. Now, we got this great image of Abraham. But if you read Abraham's story, Abraham has some issues. He was fearful. He lied. (laughs) But yet God called him a faithful man because that's his legacy. A real man leaves a legacy, not just a financial inheritance, not all his degrees, because you can't take any of this stuff with you. All you can do is leave a legacy. The question is, what kind of legacy do I want to leave? And then the last um, component, I think what a real man is based on um, Jesus Christ's life. And Jesus told us this out of his own mouth, his last words to us. When you ask people, what was Jesus' last words? They say, they talk about on the cross is finished. That wasn't Jesus. That was his last words when he got crucified. But guess what we're thankful for? He didn't die just on that cross. He came back. And when he was resurrected and came back to the disciples, he still he did have a last word when he says, I am leaving you. And the next time I'm coming, it is going to be on and popping when I come back. (laughs) But his last words to the disciple was what? He says, go make disciples of all the nations. To baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
He says, and I will be with you always until the end of this age. So what a real man also does, not only does he lead his family spiritually, not only does he love and serve sacrificially, not only does he leave the legacy of faith, he does the most important thing Jesus told him to do. Now you go make disciples. That's what hopefully what we're trying to do with Real Men Connect. And that's now, that's my, that's the definition of manhood I'm living up to today, not the old man. I love it. You see, the thing is, men are always looking at society. And mm -hmm. as you said, trying to get a title, trying to get in the crowd, trying to get in the clique, you know, because of what society say a man is supposed to be. Right. And when that man doesn't achieve the five steps towards achieving to be a man, that man is oftentimes depressed. Yeah. He's oftentimes like a failure. And I love what you said. A real man is a man that is literally living for God and is putting his best foot forward to serve Jesus Christ and to be the man that God has called him to be. What are you doing to engender that mindset to the men that uh, is in, in connection to your group and to the men that you speak to, to get men to understand that success is not based on titles, but success is based on who you are in Jesus Christ. Well, and, and I think that's a great question, Irvin, because more than likely, most men are not going to think anything they're doing is wrong. I didn't think at the time when I was married and had a little boy and we got all this money and we got the homes and the cars and everything else, I didn't think anything was wrong. I didn't think anything was wrong until something went wrong and I couldn't fix it. So how do I don't really have to convince men when their life goes wrong. See, I have a hard time convincing men if they don't see anything wrong with their life. So what are you talking about? I'm winning. I don't need God. <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? My, my bank account is full. My stomach is full. My wife is happy. My kids go to the great schools. Nothing's wrong. They don't realize it's just God giving them grace until they're going to bow the knee eventually because all things will come to an end. And see, even if you're on top of the world, and we know this from even the richest people in the world, if you interviewed even the top, the richest people in the world, they're going to tell you, ask them these questions. As much money as you have Bill Gates or Steve Jobs when he was living or Warren Buffett or uh, Jeff Bezos, and you ask them, Okay, as, as much money as you have and all this influence, the power, the reputation, the all the stuff we said, the education, everything, do you ever struggle being a husband? Do you ever struggle being a parent? Are you afraid of what future is going to, what's going to happen to your kids? Do you sometimes feel lonely and depressed that somebody, that people just don't get you? Do you ever feel disconnected? People just want you just because of your influence, but they don't sincerely love you. And guess what all these billionaires would say? Yes. Guess what, Irv? That means they're just like you and me. The only difference is they yeah. got more money than we have. That's the only difference. And yeah. so I can't convince those guys until what they realize is that money can't fix their problem. Prestige, position, title, education won't fix it. Then they reach out to us and say, wow, and they hear my story. They says, man, maybe this is a better way. That's when they're open to receiving the gospel. That's when, you know, think, no different than how you lead anybody to Christ. If they don't think they need God, they ain't going to God. But usually people come to God, broke down, busted, and disgusted, and they're thinking, I need help. And then they repent, and they fall before the cross when they go to church and say, I'm getting saved. 
And then they think like some magic switch is going to happen. And then life is going to be easy after that. No, life is going to get a lot harder. But the difference is you can have hope to get through it now. And you're going to realize that it's much bigger than your immediate pain and frustration in your circumstances. I still got struggles. My life isn't free of struggle and hardship. My mom just passed away back in um, last year on Thanksgiving Day. I went through seven funerals last year. But I'm on your show. I don't seem depressed. I don't see because my hope is in Christ, not in their death, but in the life they're living now on the other side of eternity. So I don't have to worry about convincing men. They usually come to me when they're ready to receive because I can't convince anybody of anything. But it's no different than what Jesus says. He says, um, if you, you say, let him come, whoever, whoever, whosoever will let him come. He didn't say force him, persuade him, convince him, whosoever will. It's their choice. And they'll come. If you're hurting bad enough, you'll go get help. You'll go get relief eventually when you're tired of being tired. You mentioned mentors. You mentioned um, having an active life in Christ and pray. Are there any other resources that, that you could say attributed to you becoming the man that you are right now? You know, it's, it's basically five things that we teach every guy in our ministry, in our organization. And I've already alluded to it, but I, I think it's worth repeating again. Having a personal, intimate relationship with Christ. Now, and that's going to funny. I'm going to show you what the, resource, what the resources have to do with this. Having a personal, intimate relationship with Christ. Having a community of godly men in your life who are pursuing the same goals that you are as a husband, as a father, and they have similar struggles. And you can talk about it openly and honestly and authentically and being vulnerable and not worrying about are they going to betray you or are they going to go tell your business to other people? Then having an inner circle of men even closer to you, because Jesus had that too. Jesus had his disciples, the 12, but Jesus also had an inner circle of men. If you remember, Irvin, Peter, James, and John, who was with them at, at his best of, best of times and at the worst of times. And even though they were part of the bigger group, Jesus confided in them more than the other men, which I think Jesus was setting an example for us to see that. And so you got to have an inner circle. And then you have to have a mentor and a coach, somebody who's spiritually more mature than you are, who can pour life into you. It's not that they're a better man than you are. They're just more spiritually more mature than you are. In other words, it's better for you to tell me how to get the Trinidad coming back than me never going in the first place. I want somebody who's been there before to tell me, how'd you get to Trinidad? How do I get there? What's the best method? That don't make you special, Irvin. It just makes you wiser. Because you've been there, you have experience. Every man needs somebody like that in his life, and we need counseling. This is what men don't want to hear. Every man, you ask the average man, when was the last time you went to counseling? Unless their wife um, threatened divorce or they got mandated by the court, they haven't been in years. But yet you ask them, how often do you take your car in for an oil change? They'll say, well, every 3,000 miles. Well, why are you only taking yeah. your life in for check every five or 10 years? That don't make any sense. You need counseling. Now, you mentioned the resources. The resources you need is knowing how to spend a, um, build an intimate relationship with, with Christ. You need training in that. You need to know how to build relationships with men, how to communicate with men, how to learn how to trust men. You need resources, how to find the right coach, the right mentor, so you don't find a knucklehead out there who's going to mislead you. How to find the right... Now, all counseling is not good counseling. You got to find the right Christian counselor. So the resources yeah. more to supplement those five, but those five things are the key areas, and it's the backbone of our ministry. You help a man get strong in those five areas, trust me, 
he is going to be the man that God called and created him to be. You mentioned five. I, I was reading through your, your website. I would like you to touch on it a bit. Mm -hmm. The five dads, you remember that I was speaking about. You mentioned five types of fathers. Could you just right. um, share with us what you meant by that? Yeah, now that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> the five types of dads, yeah, uh, I, I talk about that topic quite a bit. Um, but the five types of dads are pretty much the kind of dad, it's basically challenging men to say, what kind of dad do you want to become? Um, because we all had fathers, whether he was active, whether he was um, not there at all, abandoned us or whatever. But it's basically a way of us coming to grips with our father wounds. Um, the reason why I was the way I was, because my dad wasn't there when I was growing up as a kid. Now, I'm not throwing my dad under the bus saying he was totally to blame, but I was missing a piece of my life. We all need a man in life to affirm us. It doesn't necessarily have to be our biological dad, but it has to be a man that we respect to say, Irvin, you have what it takes, my son. Irvin, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, you saw those words sound familiar, doesn't it? Because that's what God told Jesus. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, here's the key part of God telling um, Jesus that. When the dove ascended, when the spirit descended and they heard the voice of God say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased when you're being baptized. Do you realize Jesus hadn't done anything yet? He hadn't performed any miracles. He hasn't started his ministry. So what God was showing us is that we must affirm these young men, not based on their performance, based on mm -hmm. their identity, who they are. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, this would have been our response. But God, I didn't do anything yet. God, I didn't, I didn't um, do enough miracles yet. I haven't yeah. saved enough souls. God said, I didn't, what, what are you talking about? No, I'm, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You can't make me love you any more or any less because of who you are. So looking at what, so I have men look at what kind of dad did you have? And I use military terms to kind of define what it is to help us remember it. I say some of us um, had, and I'm going by my memory because I don't have it in front of me right now, Irvin, but I typically talk about it, but I used to say we had a dad who I call, um, who was AWOL. He was absent without leave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so yes. even though he was in the home, we couldn't connect with him. Now, that wasn't me. I didn't have an AWOL dad. My da but there's some fathers who say, Dad, I, I had a dad in the home, but I never connected with him emotionally. I, I never, he never really understood me. I call him AWOL, that he was absent without leave. God didn't give him permission to be there and be absent from the home. So he probably was in the home, but he wasn't connected to his children. Then we have what I call the missing in action dad, MIA, <laughs> is that this was the dad. You can't even find that dude. My dad, that was my dad. He was missing in action. I didn't know who my dad yes. was. I, you know, I didn't meet him until I was older. And so some yes. guys, they've never met their fathers or they know where their father is, but they can't reach their fathers. That is a mission and missing in action, Dad. MIA. And then I said we had the um, POW Dad. Um, I call it Prisoners of War Dad. And the Prisoner of War Dad is the dad who was there around you. And he, he could have been outside of the household, but it was the dad who every time you were around him, you were nervous and scared because he was always angry. Mm -hmm. He was always upset. Mm -hmm. You couldn't do enough to please him. And so, and if he if he lived with you, and, and he was married to your mom, you ever hear your mom make say this? Now, don't get your dad upset. Now, you know how your dad gets, Irvin. Don't say this. Now, when he gets home from work, don't you bring up. Because everybody thought dad is going to blow up <laughs> and kill everybody. Yep. 
He's got PTSD. <laughs> He's a prisoner of war dad. This is dad who's always angry, always upset. Now, of course, we have all these. Some of dads can have all these traits. But I'm just kind of making it um, simple and plain by giving you some kind of categories. Then I call what we call the reserve dad, the dad in reserve. You know, reserve duty. He ain't active duty. <laughs> He's reserve duty. That's the dad who was not a bad dad, but he would come and go. You couldn't always depend on him because he was there. He, you know, and when he was with you, he was with you. But then you wouldn't hear from him forever. Yeah. Where is he? Yeah. Can't reach him. <laughs> and so and this nice guy and everything, but he wasn't consistent. You couldn't always rely on him. He said, man, sometimes he's at your game, then you can't find him. <laughs> said, I mean? And so I call it reservist. He was the reservist dad. But the dad that we want to be and the dad we always wish we had is what I call an active duty dad. That's the guy who's in this full time, in it for the duration. He ain't perfect. He ain't doing all the right things, but you can depend on him. You can trust him. He's reliable. And he loves you and you know it. He's affirming. And even though he may be making some missteps, you say, bless his heart. He loves us so much. He's trying so hard. And I tell guys, that's the kind of dad we want to be. You don't have to be the perfect dad, but you want to be a faithful dad. I've made a lot of mistakes with my son and now my daughter. Now I have a, a daughter who's not my biological daughter. But one thing they would tell you, and I can say without, without, um, quivering or even being scared to say it. I ain't been the greatest dad, Irvin, but I've been a faithful one. I've been a faithful one. My son and my daughter would tell you that. My dad is not perfect. My dad is not the greatest, but man, he is faithful. His faith hasn't wavered. He's always there when we need him. We know we can depend on him. He keeps his word and he will fight to the death. Active military people would fight to the death because we're in it because God said, this is what I want you to be, and this is what I want you to do. So those are the five types of dads. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that. I hadn't talked about that in a while, but those are the five types of dads that are out there. I was just going through your blog, and as you mentioned, five. I, I saw the five, five dads, and I, I, it looks so interesting. I needed for you to, to actually expand on it. And folks, if you want to get more of Dr. Martin's blogs, you could just go and check the website www.realmenconnect.com and you will find a host of blogs and a host of information concerning Dr. Martin and Real Men Connect, what they are doing in the United States of America. Uh, if, you, if you could have dinner, this is a scenario I like to ask my guests. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, I would like to know who would they be and why would you want to have dinner with them? Wow. You know, I, and I'm going to mess up the question because really it only be one. As much as I, because I interview a lot of people. Urban. Um, you're talking about our, of our podcast. I think I've interviewed over 375 guests. There's some ideal guests I would love to interview and a lot of guests I would love to sit down and have dinner with. But to me, to me, this question is so serious that I don't even want to put them in the same category with this. And people are surprised when I tell them who it is. It's not Jesus. It's Paul. If there was one person, if you told me, Joe, you couldn't interview none of those 375 guests you had on your show, and you can only have one guest on your show, on your podcast, who would it be? 
it would be Paul, the Apostle Paul. And the reason why I would love to sit down and have lunch, everybody, everybody who knows me knows this about me, Irvin. They know I would love, they, I talk about Paul all the time. My wife would tell you, Paul, 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 Paul. Joe would have talked to Paul. And people say, why is he so obsessed with Paul? No other guests. See, I won't be with Jesus for the rest of my life, so I don't have to talk to Jesus. I talk to him every day now. <laughs> but I want to talk to Paul. And the reason why I want to sit down and talk to Paul, because he reminds me a lot of myself. And he had so much passion. But at the same time, and where I struggled, he had also a lot of compassion for believers. His heart for the lost is, is mind-blowing to me. He didn't do life with Jesus like the disciples did. But his commitment to the faith, you couldn't compare it. This dude has written over about 65% of the New Testament. And he didn't even get to spend time with Jesus. How come yeah. that's not the disciples writing most of the New Testament? So this he had, had to be one, something special. One, one connection. Yeah, he had to be something special about this man who never got to do life with Jesus, who God says, I want you to write my word. I trust you with it. And look at his past. This dude... Murdered Christians. This dude, he persecuted Christians, but yet God hand selected him. So I want to meet with him to say, I can understand if Peter, James, and John had this thing with, with, with God. And I know why Jesus was, why um, Paul was, not Paul, Peter was willing to get crucified upside down because out of honor. To Jesus, I get that. John getting his head cut off, you know, and the um the, the disciple John um going to a, getting a, um ostracized and extradited. I get that because they walked with Jesus, they talked with Jesus, they ate with Jesus, they saw Jesus, they touched Jesus. Paul, you didn't do any of that, yet your commitment to this was on such a level that when you wrote the epistles. We couldn't tell if you were in prison or you on a beach drinking a margarita. Your demeanor didn't change. Your attitude didn't change. And Paul, you said something so crazy that even I can't even say, which says that you rather go to hell to save somebody so they can see Jesus. I ain't there. I ain't even close to being that. I'll let you go to hell. I want to I want to be with Christ. He said he loved God so much. He said, I will let you go. If it can save you, I will take it. I got to meet this man. I got to talk to him. Dude, where does that faith come from? Sight unseen. Because that's what we're called to be as believers. Because we ain't never met God. We ain't touched Jesus. We ain't talked to Jesus. But we are to love God the way Paul did. So if there's anybody I can relate to, it'll be Paul, sight unseen. All he had was his conviction in the Holy Spirit speaking to him. I want that. And I couldn't wait to sit down and talk to him like, dude, tell me, how did you develop that? How did that grow? How did your faith grow like that to a point that you didn't care anything about your safety? You didn't care anything about what's going to happen to you, pain, suffering. You still 
were committed to this, to this all in. I would love to talk to him. So just imagine Paul may have just heard about Jesus while Jesus was alive. There wasn't um, documented evidence that he actually been in contact with him. Wanted to kill, he, he would want to kill Jesus. <laughs> when he said, <laughs> Definitely, he would have been the man to try to kill Jesus. Right. Let's stay on Paul the doctor. Um, give me some of your favorite quotes from Paul, the apostle. Ah, man, there, there's, there's so many. Um, and I don't really have a favorite quote from Paul, but I guess I remember somebody asked me when I was at a speaking engagement, they were introducing me. They were introducing me. And they said, Joe, um, what be a phrase to summarize your life? And at the time, this was years ago, but I still would um, coin this. I said, Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good, for those who love God are called according to his purpose. Because I yeah. look at my life and it, a lot of it doesn't make sense to me, but now it does. When I stop and think, and I said, wait a minute, God, you mean to tell me when my mom was 16 years old, that wasn't the perfect plan, but you say it's going to work out for good. When my dad left when I was two years old, that wasn't the perfect plan, but it's going to work out for good. God, you're telling me that when I was sexually abused as a child and I thought you had left me and forsaken me, you say that you wept, but it's going to work out for good. God, you're telling me after you got me out of the hood and I disowned you and walked away from you because I thought I did it all on my own. You said that when you come back, I'm going to show you it's going to work out for good. God, when you're telling me that I had, when you gave me the vision to leave Florida and leave my son behind who I had joint custody of because you're going to birth something in me. And I thought, God, this cannot be you telling me to physically leave my son behind. You said that it's going to work out for good. Everything is now, I look back all the pain, all the suffering, all the shame, all the guilt, all the fears, all the doubts, all the insecurities, all the mistakes, all the stupid bundles I made and mistakes and flaws I had, it all worked out together for good. And it's still working out together for good. It wasn't all good things happening, but it worked together for, God, for God's glory and his good. See, that's what I learned, that it's not about what's good for me. It's what's going to be for his ultimate glory. And he didn't need me, Irvin. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need us. He chooses us to say, do you want to be part of my plan or should I get another? Because Irvin, if you didn't do your show and I didn't do mine, guess what? He put another person in our place to do it. But because we've answered the call and we say, yes, God, you can send me. He says, now everything that you go through, because you've been doing this for a while now, I'm sure you've been through some ups and downs, some left turns and right turns, ran off the road and <laughs> got back on. But he's saying, guess what, Irvin? Don't worry about it. It's all working together for my good. Just stick with me. Cling to me. Don't leave because I'm never going to leave or forsake you. But you can leave me if you choose. But if you stick with me, it's going to work together for good for my ultimate glory. And that's what Paul was about. And so if I had to pick one, I, there's so many 
things. Uh, I have so many Bible memory verses from Paul, but that's the one that I would say kind of just summarizes my life. It all worked together for good. The men that come to you when they're hurt, when they're depressed, when they're feeling heavy burden and they, you know, they come to you and you speak into their lives and you change their mindset. Tell me, tell me a, a testimony of, of something that you really didn't expect to happen from an interaction that you made directly to a man that caused him to change. Wow. There, there's a, a lot. I've you know, been doing this for a while now, so there's a lot of stories I could share, but there's one in particular that jumps out of my spirit. And <laughs> it's kind of funny because how, remember I told you Paul has passion and he had compassion. I have a lot of passion, but sometimes I don't have a lot of compassion because <laughs> I'm impatient, right? And through our program, we have a program called the Real Men 300. And men have to fill out an application to get accepted into our program. It's not that we don't want to help everybody. But the thing is, because we're building such a solid community of serious-minded, godly men, I can't let anybody, just anybody, into it. Because somebody, you let the wrong person in, they can wreak havoc into you. They can destroy your family. And so, praise the Lord, we're going into our fourth year. We haven't had any problem like that. It's because I have a very strict screening process of an application. Now, you don't have to come in perfect. You just got to have the right heart. I got to make sure you're in it for the right reasons. Are you following me? You're not in here because you're trying to network with other men so you can make money, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And, and I got to know you're in it because you're humble, you're honest, you're hungry. That's why you're doing it. Well, I had this one guy, he's filled out an application. And I got him on the phone and we were talking and I was taking through the process. And before we get into the application, I said, I need to ask you something. I said, on your application, you mentioned that you want to be, I said, I, you said the most important thing to you is to be a godly husband, right? I said, you want to be a godly husband and you're struggling. I said, I need to get a, a good gauge of where you are right now. I said, from a level from one to 10, 10 being, man, I'm all in, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. How bad do you want to work on your marriage? That's what I asked him. From one to 10. 10, man, whatever it takes, however long it takes, I don't care what it costs me, I'm going to do this. And he says, from a one to 10, Dr. Joe, I will say it's about a seven. Like that, right? I said, okay, a seven. I said, now what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you um, my um, contact information and I'm going to get off the phone with you right now because you're not ready. That's what I told him. He says, what? I said, we're not going to continue this conversation. He said, I don't understand. He said, just because I said it was a seven? I said, it's not the fact that you said it was a seven. Let me tell you why I'm doing this, because I want you to get off this phone with me, and I want you to go to God in prayer about this. Here's why. I said, have you ever met me before? And I've never talked to this dude, never met him before. He says, no. I said, you heard about me through my podcast. That's why you heard about our organization. You never met me before. He said, no. I said, now, we've never hung out. We never talked before prior to this conversation. If you had to take a guess of how committed I am to training you and discipling you and helping you become the husband God has called you to be, what do you take a guess what you think my level of commitment is to you from a one to a 10? And he says, um, I don't know what, uh, about a 10? I said, try 150. And he says, what? I said, 150. I said, now here's why I'm getting off the phone with you. You need to go to God and pray and say, God, why is this man who's a perfect stranger who doesn't know me 
is more concerned about me being a godly husband than I am. I said, dude, I don't sleep with your wife. I don't pay your bills. I'm not raising your kids. And I want this more than you. Something's wrong with you. And you ain't ready for this. You go pray to him and ask him, why is that? I didn't make a covenant with your wife. You did. Ask him, why is a stranger more committed to my success than I am? And he said, all right. And I said, you can use my number now. You, I, I'm not going anywhere. It can be next week, next month, next year. Long as God keeps me alive, I'm going to be here. I said, but you don't call me a minute sooner than that. And Irvin, about three or four days later, <laughs> he was on my calendar again, right? <laughs> and the first question I asked him when I answered the phone, when I called him up, I said, what's changed? He says, I went to God in prayer. And you were absolutely right, Dr. Joe. And God says, why is he more committed than you are? Don't you ever let another man be more committed than you, to you following me than you are. He says, I'm all in. I'm ready. That dude now, Stephen has been with us now for over probably a year and a half. He's now a leader in our ministry. And he disciples other men. I, I, it, I get overjoyed even just sharing his story. Because you had to see where he was. To now he went to yes. get off. I, he, I, it went from get off the phone with me, dude. You ain't ready. <laughs> to now he's one of my strongest and my best leaders in this ministry. And the men love him to death. Love him. And I love him. I love him like a son, man. Try not to get him. I love him. I love him, Irvin. I just can't believe what God has done in his life. And because I was committed, he got committed. And boy, look what God has done. I got stories like that, man, of men who I thought <laughs> they were there. <laughs> and God did something miraculous in their lives. But you notice I didn't compromise. I didn't compromise. Dude, this is what you're getting into. We're not only going to call you out. We're going to call you to step up. And he needed that. And now that dude is one of my closest friends, one of my um, my best mentees, and one of the best leaders we have in our organization. And folks, if you're listening, even if you're looking at this right now, um, there's a, a, a part of Real Men Connect called Real Men 300. And in that, in that post, there's a question. You should know the question. Hey, Mighty Warrior, what do you do when the God-given dream inside of you isn't matching the reality in front of you. And the testimony that, that he just shared with that guy came from that interaction and mm -hmm. that, that group setting um, that caused uh, the doctor to tell, to tell the brother, hey, you ain't ready yet. Hang on the phone and go and say a prayer. I'm more committed to doing this than you. And you were saying from this testimony, from this interchange, there's something that something took place during that time with this man's life that caused him to, to think, you know what? I could do more. Mm -hmm. I should push more. Uh, I am a warrior. And today he's part of Remain Connect. Oh, yeah. He is also a very, uh, one of the most active members of the group. He's, he's one of our key leaders. Mm -hmm. I love those type of testimonies. And, and, and you would know, just like me, when, when you, you literally... You 
spend time. And, and this is not an easy thing. Working with men is not easy. When you give up your life, literally giving up your life, your time into men's life, and sometimes they don't listen, sometimes they, they are sometime away, sometimes they're here, but they're not here. But literally, when you could see the change in a man's life, from a man being so-so, being, you know, not really serious about his own life, to being the man that God has called him to be, mm-hmm. it really sets you on fire to keep doing more for God. And we're coming to a close. I just have a couple of questions for you, doctor. Sure. As a, as a male, how do you go about having a good mindset and discipline, especially day to day in this we don't we are not living in a normal environment. We call this environment the new normal environment, mm-hmm. meaning COVID nineteen. Right. How do you go about um yeah, how do you go about your day? I would say um, go back to the basics. You know, it's funny. Uh, we had um, a group call eh, about three or four months ago when COVID really was hitting. And um, I said, we're going to get together, guys, because we got to talk about this new normal and getting adjusted um, to social distancing, because social distancing doesn't mean you should be distancing yourself spiritually from other people um, and connecting with others emotionally. And so. They all, we had a large group come on the call. It was probably one of the largest turnouts <laughs> for the group. And while we were talking about different strategies and ideas, what to do, like you're saying, to get your mindset right, before we got into it, I asked the question. I said, I said, now, I'm going to give you guys some specific things, and I'll share with you one specific thing. I said, I'm going to give you guys some specific strategies and ideas. I said, but let me kind of summarize it in a nutshell. You know what you should be doing, what we should be doing, doing COVID-19 in this new normal? Exactly what we should have been doing before COVID-19. You should have been spending more time with, with the father. You should have been spending more time with your wife and your children. You should have been active um, in your community, still reaching out and connecting with people. It's the same things we should have been doing. We should have been having dinner with our family. We should be discipling and doing devotionals with our family. All that stuff we should have been doing Before COVID-19, we should be doing it after COVID-19. But here's the thing I'll tell you that's been the biggest benefit for me to answer your question directly about the mindset is the thing I was doing before COVID-19 is I was spending intentionally spending time with the Lord each morning in what I call my quiet time, my quiet time. I've been doing it for 15 years, but during COVID-19, because now the demand on my schedule isn't so great now to get on planes all, all the time and fly all over the country because I speak a lot um, all over the country. Guess what that gave me more time to do, Urban? Spend more time in the presence of God. And so I became even more intentional and more deliberate about spending my time in God's word, um, getting into his presence, worshiping, praising him. But here's the key component. And you're talking about renewing your mind um, or at least getting in the right mindset. To me, the missing component that we have, a lot of people say, do I read my Bible every day? Oh, I go to church every Sunday. That's fine and well. But when you read your Bible or you read a devotional, that's one-way communication. You're just reading the Word. Now, you may be praying. That's still one-way communication. To me, the key component that most men are missing is journaling. Journaling is you petitioning God and then listening to the Holy Spirit speak back to you. 
Think about this, Urban. How in the world could you have a relationship with your wife if you're doing all the talking? You keep telling her what you want, praying. You keep telling her how great she is, praising. Are you following me? You keep reading everything, all the love notes that she wrote for you, but you never ask, what do you think? How do you feel? What do you see in me? What do you think I can improve on? What is coming between us? See, that's what I do with God in the mornings. I'm asking God, God, show me what sin do I need to confess? God, show me what attitude of my heart do I need to change? God, show me the promise that I need to cling to because I'm worried right now and I'm a little bit anxious. What promise in your word, God? Speak to me, Lord, and remind me of the promise that you gave me your word. God, what example of this thing that I'm struggling with that I need to walk out? What example in the Bible can I follow? Now, Urban, it changes everything because now I went to passively reading the word to now I'm actively listening to God's voice. Yes. And man, and check this out, Irvin. <laughs> it ain't really funny, but it is funny. In the 15 years I've gone to God and reading my word, and then after I read the word, I ask God, one question I've always asked God is every morning, is what sin do I need to confess? In 15 years of doing this, Irvin, do you know the Holy Spirit has never said this? No, you good today. Nothing. <laughs> that has never happened, ever, ever. Yeah. Every day, I'm think I'm seeking God, I'm praying, and God still said, "Here's how you sinned." He's never once said, "Nah, you perfect today. You did nothing yesterday, Joe, that you had to repent for." So I'm telling you, every morning I'm repenting. I'm confessing my sins, and so you're talking about that discipline of your mindset. Think about this: I'm renewing my mind daily because I'm saying, God. Like what David wrote in, uh, what is it, Psalm 139, 23, he says, search me, know my heart, yes. test my anxious thoughts, and see if there's any way offensive in me, and God lead me in the path everlasting. David asked God, show me. Most men too, are too afraid to ask God, show me how I've offended you. Show me how I'm grieving your spirit. Show me what separated me from you. Show me where I need to repent. Show me where I need to change. Show me where I need to humble myself. That's how I renew myself every morning and get my mind right because I'm going to God naked and say, God, no, I know I can do better than yesterday. Show me where did I fall short yesterday? And what can I do today? You know, I would say I hadn't said this to our group yet. And I don't know if I want to say it because I don't want guys to think something wrong with them if they don't. This doesn't happen. I noticed there hasn't been a week that's gone by that I've spent in quiet time with God that I haven't cried. I ain't saying every day. At least once a week, I broke down crying. And I haven't told my men that because I want to think, well, if I'm not crying, is something wrong? No, no. And I'm thinking, God, where is that? What's up with that? How come at least I can't go a week without crying when I'm in your presence and you know what the Holy Spirit revealed to me just this morning, Irvin? He says, that's brokenness. Oh. He said, and I love that about you. He said, I love that, that my word, you're never getting used to being in my presence. 
Oh, I'm getting chills just thinking about it right now. You haven't gotten so comfortable that you're not in awe of me. I love that about you, my son. Irvin, if we could get in awe of him, if we yes. could be in awe of him, yes. how can your mind not be right? Mm. How can it not be right? So yes. I love it. I love him. Man, I don't get too comfortable. That got me, I cry a tear every time because I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe. I'm in awe of him. I love him. I love him, man. Uh, Thank you, Jesus. That's what it's all about. A broken and contrite spirit, man. He said he would never despise. He would never turn away. That's why you could say that's that's why I love that's why I love it. Yeah. Brokenness. It's as if you're in the presence of God, but it's the attitude that you have is I'm here for the very first time. Yeah. Yeah. How could a man like me yeah. be in a place like this? Oh. Oh. How could a man like me be loved by a God like you? It's it's amazing. Simply amazing. Oh, he's worthy. He's Thank worthy. you. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Yes, he is, man. God is good. Yes, he is. Oh my God. I'm so I'm so uh, in awe of God's presence and his connection. I I'm so my my mind is blown, my heart is full just by your testimony, my brother, just by the mere fact that I I, I, I met you. There was a list of people that I sent out invitation to. Almost everybody said yes, mm-hmm. but I really didn't know who I was speaking to. But um, until this interview happened, I just briefly went through who you are. But just as you say, it's easy to have a nice resume. But to see when real men connect, and that's mm-hmm. that's true. And a real man is a man pursuing God. And before I leave, because I know you're you're a busy man, you you have another engagement coming up. Just like your hero, because I, I don't want to leave it without you sharing this. Just like your hero, mm-hmm. you are also a man of words. You are also a man, very eloquent. You're also a man that God is using to speak to men and to connect to men, not only by words, but also in the written word. Just like your hero, you're a writer. For, and you, you wrote several books. Could you share with us 
some of uh, some of your work before we come to an end? Yeah, we they if they went to our site, they could see a lot of the resources that we have. Um, but I'll mention um, two particular books, and I'm actually and this is I'm saying this to you. Well, some of our guys in our community know about it. I'm coming out with another book that I'm really excited about, and I'll tell you about that in a second. But the two resources that we have right now, one is called the um, um, the Real Man Spiritual Leader Blueprint. It's not really a book; it's a guide um, of basically the uh, it's an outline of 21 different things you can do to to spiritually love and lead your family. We say that one of the definitions of a man is he spiritually leads his family. But the obvious question is, how do I do that? Well, we give them 21 strategies on how to do that. It's the spirit, real man spiritual leader blueprint. And if they go to um, our store, or our bookstore, whatever the link is on our website, they'll find it. It's pretty easy to find. They'll see the real man spiritual leader blueprint. That's one resource. Another resource is my Are You the Man book. It's a book I wrote several years ago. I actually wrote it for my son. And it's 201 lessons I wish my dad would have taught me. And all that is, you mentioned about quotes and everything. Pretty much the whole book is full of quotes, one-liners based on lessons learned. And it also has my poetry in it because, Irvin, I write a lot of poetry. Man, when I say a lot, over 200-something poems I've written. And I've written poems since, and there's poems in there since I was the age of 12 up until now over, over the age of 50. And it's just me pouring my heart out, some deep, dark stuff in there. But it's all about manhood. Every poem is about manhood in there and my journey through manhood. And so that book, Already Man, 21 Lessons, it was written for my son in case something ever happened to me. He could use that as a guide because all it's broken down into categories. What dad thought, what I wish my dad would have taught me about marriage, what I wish my dad would have taught me about life, about friends, about money, about women, about work about purpose and it's categorized that way. So my yes. son would always have that. And, but the book that I'm working on right now is called man accomplished and probably the book I'm most excited about that's getting ready to come out because it's me. Imagine Irvin, if you could, you can rebuild yourself as a man all over again from scratch, knowing what you know now based on God's word, and all the mistakes you've made, all the struggles you've had, all the influences that's been in your life, all the mentors, the coaches, the counseling. And if you had to build yourself up as a man, starting with what would be the first thing you would teach yourself up into 50 things you would teach yourself. Every week is a different lesson on manhood, but they all build on top of each other. But here's the catch. It's not only teaching you, building you up from a man, it challenges you every single week. Is 50 challenges. And Irvin, this is the first book I think anybody's ever um, said this about their book. It's a book that I guarantee you 99.99% of men won't be able to finish because they won't be able to complete all those challenges because it will be tough. But if they do, when they get to the end of the book, it'll be man accomplished. Now, eventually they're going to have to um, complete those challenges, but most men will not complete the book. They're going to want to. But the stuff we're asking them to do to step outside of their comfort zone to become a man, it is it's tough stuff. It is tough stuff. They got to deal with a lot of trauma. They got to go back and deal with a lot of wounds. They got to go back and ask a lot of questions. They got to go back and open up and share with a lot of people. And most men are just not spiritually ready for that. 
But people say, why would you write a book nobody can finish? Because I'm not writing to make a lot of money. I'm writing, writing to help transform men's lives. So if they really want help, they would do those challenges. It's 50 challenges to help them become the man God made them to be. That's the subtitle of it, Man Accomplished. Dr. Joe, if we have to get in contact with you, um, what are some of your social media handles? How could we con contact you on social media? Well, I would give them to go to our website because on the website is our social media links. And if they went to realmenconnect.com, they have we they can find us on Facebook, they can find us on Instagram, um, LinkedIn, everything else. But all of our social media um, contacts is right on the website, realmenconnect.com. And if there's a guy out there who's listening to this and he wants to be in community, if he wants to go through the process that I was telling you about Stephen, the guy <laughs> when he first called, if he's interested in becoming part of this community and he can meet Stephen for himself because Stephen is still leading our groups, he can just go to realmen300.com. And this on the website, too, is a link on the website. But if you want to go directly to that, realmen300.com, and he has to submit an application. And then our, we will be in contact with him about the next step after that. Thank you, Dr. Joe. Oh, Thank my you pleasure. That you're doing, it has been a truly, oh my gosh, it's an experience. I want to have this conversation again. Definitely, you're a man that I want to stay in contact, in contact with. Um, one thing. I, I felt your heart. I know that you're you really you really mean what you say, and you really have a passion for being in the presence of God. I mean, God could could have this type of man who's always broken before Him. He's going to use you throughout Amen. the world. I hope as, so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> my brother, that's what I'm saying. As soon as this COVID situation is over, in Jesus' name, I'm I'm praying that it is over. I want to connect with you. Definitely. I would like to have. Let's you do that, Urban. Let's do that because I can't wait for the COVID. You know, I don't like traveling a lot, but now that I've been off the road for so long, I've never been off the road this long in over 20 something years. So now I'm ready. I'm ready now to get back and make connections with brothers like you and people who I've been able to meet through this kind of medium. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. And now that my daughter is out of the house and now me and my wife are in the house by ourselves. We have the freedom to travel more and do things that we couldn't do before because we had the kids here. And so I know she would love to be able to go to Trinidad. <laughs> so, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. Oh, yes, um, it is. I've heard I've heard tons about yeah. it and would love to, man. So but yeah, we we definitely will stay connected. I, I hope we do, man. And because um, I'm really good about that. So anything I could ever do for you, for your ministry, whatever you're doing, please let me know. And it was a blessing to be on your show today. Thank you so much. Thank you again, my brother. Have a Our blessed pleasure. evening. Uh, you too. Take care. Take care. Thank you for joining us this week. Make sure to visit our website, www.menofpurposett.com, where you can subscribe to the show via RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate your message. Or if you can simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you would like to be on the show, send us an email, menofpurpose85 at gmail.com. See you next time. <laughs>